How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily podcast on the New York Knicks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, my city and wide. Yeah, let me take my time. I'm on my grind. Gotta make sure that we shine. What's yours is mine, and what's mine is yours. HR to the death and first always my team for sure. Go roll. Can't fall off. Got a family support. Gotta make sure we succeed and reach our dream. Now live through me. I'm about to take off. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Knicks podcast. This is episode 66. I am your host, Jared Dubin. And of course, as you know by now, I am bringing you daily insight into the New York Knicks Monday through Friday. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a review and a rating, and tell your friends to do the same. Today, we will be talking about the game tonight against the Portland Trailblazers with the great Robert Silverman, evocative, one of my good friends, talking about the Knicks. Should be good times. Before we do that, though, I got a few quick notes here. I uh, I looked into some stuff about the Knicks home road splits uh, a little bit more than I had yesterday because I wanted to see where their differentials ranked in the league and whether it was the offense or defense that's really tripping up when they play away from the Garden. Um, here is what I found. Uh, first of all, the Knicks are 13th in net rating in home games at plus 2.7. That means they're outscoring their opponents by 2.7 points per 100 possessions in games they play at the Garden. Uh, It's important, obviously, to do per 100 possessions because it adjusts for pace and gives you a clearer picture of where they stand league-wide than just points per game. Uh, Plus 2.7, by the way, is pretty good. Um, If you do that over the whole season, you'll basically wind up winning somewhere in the range of like 42 to 48 games or so, depending on how lucky you get with schedule breaks and your performance and you know, clutch time and things like that. And, and I mean, 42 to 48 is right around the range that I think most Knicks fans wanted to see them this season. So at home, you know, so far, so good. Um, the problem, of course, is the road games. They are 27th in net rating on the road at minus 11.8 points per 100 possessions. Uh, I, I won't mince words about that. It's horrible. It's like being the Sixers. It's, it's actually worse than being the Sixers, but you know what I mean? Um, it's like being a 12-18 to 18 win team. It's like going back to two years ago, basically. So right now, there's like a 30-win differential between how well the Knicks play at home and how well they play on the road. That's massive. Um, only four teams have a larger differential between their performance at home and on the road right now. So... Again, interesting thing to watch throughout the rest of the year, just on the differential alone. But I did want to look for like root causes of why they've been so much worse on the road than they have at home. And um, defensively, or sorry, defensively it's pretty easy. Um, opponents are shooting 32% from three at the Garden and 43% from three when the Knicks go on the road on almost exactly the same number of attempts. So 
that's it right there. They're, they're letting opponents hit 11% from three better on the road. Uh, you would expect both of those figures to regress to somewhere around the league average, meaning you think their defense should get a bit better on the road and a bit worse at home. But 41 games in each location, like even though it's a full season, it's still a fairly small sample in the grand scheme of things. So you could wind up seeing uh, a decent split still throughout the entire year. Um, the defense, by the way, is seven points worse on the road than it is at home. And so is the offense. It's both sides of the ball, uh, just about seven points per 100 possessions uh, worse on the road than it is at home. When you look at the reasons that's true uh, offensively, the Knicks go to the free throw line more often, turn the ball over less often, and grab more offensive rebounds at home than they do on the road. Uh, they also shoot about 5% better in the restricted area at the Garden than they do in road games. So it's it's a wider variety of factors playing into why their offense has been better at home than it is for the defense, where it really just seems to be uh, the three-point defense. And uh, all of that obviously plays into tonight's matchup with the Blazers. Um, the Blazers have kind of, you know, to be kind, underachieved so far this season. Uh, they're 8-7, and seven, but they actually have a negative four points per game point differential and they have the worst defense in the league coming into the game. Uh, here's a clip from yesterday's practice of Blazers coach Terry Stotts talking about what's gone wrong for them defensively so far this year. I think right now is that we're not doing the things that we need to do, whether in a lot of areas, uh, whether it's transition defense or some of our communication pick and rolls, or obviously our, our defense rebound has really taken a slide. So... Uh, the difference between now and that stretch, uh, I think, uh, is that we're not as good as we need to be in a, in a lot of different areas. So if that all sounds familiar, it's because uh, he touched on a lot of the same issues I've been talking about with the Knicks defense, um, you know, defensive rebounding, communication, pick and rolls. Uh, the Knicks have cleaned that up a little bit in a few games, especially the three wins last week. But much like the Blazers, they have not really been consistent enough with it. Um, I talked about the particulars of the matchup of the with the Blazers tonight with Robert Silverman, so let's get you to that in a second. But before we do, quickly a note on the podcast schedule this week. Um, when I said last week that we'd be starting with deep dives a couple times a week, starting this week, I had forgotten that this week is Thanksgiving. Um, I'm traveling to my parents' house for the next couple days for Thanksgiving, so there will be no podcast uh, Wednesday or Thursday, but I'll be back with another podcast on Friday, wrapping up the Blazers game, previewing the Hornets game, and digging into a to-be-determined topic uh, with some in-depth insight. We'll see what happens uh, in this Blazers game tonight to see what's sort of the most relevant topic to dig into. Um, and now, to my chat with Bob Silverman about Knicks Blazers. Enjoy. Hey, Jared. How's it going? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm fine. I'm totally fine. I have nothing to worry about or fear. There's, I have no concerns that would ever make me feel less than great. I'm great, is what I'm saying. There's nothing and to I'm, be worried about at all anywhere. No. No. <laughs> Never. I, I am I am tracing through the forest, uh, you know, spreading my magic fairy pixie dust hither and yonder. It's really grand. Good news is, hey, the Knicks have won three of their last four games. They're playing the Blazers tonight. The Blazers are playing terrible lately. Um... Here's the thing, though. I feel like if you created a team from scratch to take advantage of the Knicks' weaknesses on defense, 
Uh, it would look a whole lot like the Blazers. Um, and, and Lillard and McCollum, they have two guards that, that love to attack the paint and also, you know, pull up for jumpers, which two of them do a whole lot. And they have a big man in Mason Plumley who does that little short roll to get into the paint, draw the defense in, and either drop it off to somebody under the basket or kick it out to one of the shooters on the wings. And um, those are exactly the kind of things that the Knicks have struggled with defensively this year. So I will Not be very... Year, uh, I mean, every year. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I cannot recall... I was doing this little mental exercise the other day. I was trying to recall the Knicks having more than one, like, let's say, lockdown wing um, or even lockdown guard of any kind. They could credibly consider a, a guard who would put the clamps on someone. And maybe you want to talk a little bit about... Uh, Lockout year, you know, Iman Shumpert. Maybe, His yeah. defense was kind of overrated in a lot of ways. I mean, maybe you want to talk about Landry Fields being kind of a decent defender for a while there. But, I mean, seriously good defensive guard? I, I kind of think you have to go back to the to the Ewing Knicks. you got to go back to, like, at least Spreewell um, and possibly before that. Yeah, Charlie it's been Ward. A while. Yeah, so basically all of that was to say, like, I will be very impressed if they can handle this Blazers offense tonight because it's the kind of team that they have not handled very well so far this year. You know, you look at the teams that they've lost to, it's a lot of attacking guards. Um, yeah. So, you yeah. know, Kyrie Irving, it's James Harden. When, when they can say, okay, well, we can guard Ish Smith here, so maybe we'll be able to get past this or, or the, right. it's, the, you know. It's guys like Kyrie Irving, James Harden, John Wall um, that have given them trouble and in the games they've won. You know, other than Mike Conley, it's been, you know, like J.J. Barea and yeah. Ish Smith and Rondo, um, who is not really uh, someone who's going to attack the rim at all. Um, yeah, Rondo, the Blazers being better with Rondo off the court is something that I kind of suspected would be a thing. But the the Bulls, yeah. The, yeah, the Bulls, yeah, rather, being better without Rondo. I was staring at those numbers, too, and I, I you know... Cause I, really, I mean, as much as he would destroy the Knicks, I really enjoyed Prime Rondo. He was a lot of fun. He was so much fun. Yeah, and, and, and watching him fall off like this is, is really just inevitable and kind of sad. But yeah, I, I'm not sure exactly what they're going to do. They're going to have to give up something. Um, I, I would hope that they sold out to... to driving Lillard and McCollum off the three-point line, you know, throwing the occasional double, letting themselves say, okay, we'll give up a, a, a Mo Harkless or a, an Aminu corner three here and there, as opposed to just getting torched by those guys. Uh, I, it's interesting, though, when you look at the way that they've defended since Rambus took over, I'm not sure if you've seen this. There's, it seems like there's a couple of changes. One, they seem like they're not switching with complete and total ease like they were in the first six games, and they are working to fight through picks. Um, but aside from that, have you noticed any serious alterations to the defensive habits? Um, not particularly, no. Um, right. It looks a lot like, scheme-wise, uh, pretty much the same defense. Um They've been inconsistent with it, I think. You know, communication problems, as we saw earlier in the year, they have... I think that tonight's game will tell us a bunch. And the next game on Friday also, because Kemba Walker is a similar style guard. Right, um, right. and Kemba Walker has destroyed them. 
Oh, they've never been able to stop Kemba Walker. I, I'm sick of clutch Kemba Walker fadeaway 20-footers that just yeah. bury even a half-decent defensive sequence. If, if they can do a good job of keeping Lowered, McCollum, and Kemba uh, from doing whatever they want, then I'll right. be... I mean, uh, they're going to get 20 to 25 points, but make them earn it. And, right. and, and hopefully, you know, get some volume shots in there and don't let... Uh, you know, a high efficiency like thirty point game is absolutely in the offer tonight. There is a far more than a non zero chance that you get that from both McCollum and Lillard. And in that case, it's going to be very hard for them to do a lot of victory. Yeah. Well, um, the, the good news is that the Blazers' defense has been—I mean, it's been an abomination so far this year. Like worse than the Knicks, they have the worst defense in the league so far this year. And if you look at it since last season. Um, they've basically only had one month since the start of last year where they played good defense. Right, right. Um, yeah, for all of the, the skills that Lillard and McCollum possess in the offensive end, they're not exactly what you would call lockdown defenders either, um, which means hopefully we can get a lot of, you know, Rose uh, getting to the basket. And uh, the really fascinating thing I've seen with Rose is his predilection for throwing jump passes. And oh, it yeah. me bonkers. It drives me bonkers. Mentioned that before the season when I talked with uh, with with Chris Herring on like the full season preview podcast. I was like, the two things that people are going to wind up noticing about Rose that they don't know yet are he throws a ton of jump passes, and when he goes to the rim, he always tries to contort himself around contact rather than um rather than try to finish through it. And those yeah, things are definitely come to bear. Overdrive as well. I mean, his first instinct is to get as deep as humanly possible, which necessitates both like the jump pass and the contortions. And he often misses open guys out on the perimeter. I mean, there's that famous play, famous, but the play that got a you know a good bunch of retweets and whatnot, where he threw this hammer pass out to Porzingis. Yep. At the extended three-point line, and it was it was a jump pass, and it was a very pretty play. But that pass was available two to three steps into the drive as well, and he just had to, you know, execute a regular pass, and that shot was there. And you keep seeing moments where he will overdrive and miss the initial pass, and it's frustrating. Let's call it. And the good thing about playing the Blazers is those passes present themselves a lot, and they present themselves very obviously uh, so far this season. And and when you look at the way their roster is constructed, I I feel like this could be a pretty big Kristaps game and not necessarily a big mellow game because they do have a bunch of guys that they could throw uh, on Carmelo, whether it's Harkless or Crab or any of the other guys in the wing, but doesn't really seem like they have anybody equipped uh, to guard Porzingis very well. What about Jake Lehman? Is Jake, will, will Jake Lehman get extended minutes on Chris Stapps? I don't think he'll get extended minutes. I don't think he's played extended minutes really in any game. I know, but I just love the name Jake Lehman because it sounds like a fake made-up name. Right. Or a create a player name for a sort of Travis Ware-ish white dude that you wanted to create in NBA 2K. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, no, no, no. There, I mean, uh, Ed Davis is not a good matchup for him. Um... He's too quick for Myers Leonard and whichever Plumley clone the Blazers have. Speaking of which, we get to see we get to see some hot Plumley on Plumley action tonight. Yeah, uh, cool. Mason was talking about that at practice yesterday. It's it's the first time he's going to play 
against Marshall, not like in practice or in their driveway or something, because they've always wow. been on the same team. Watching the, the story that came out about Mason Plumley being late for his first professional game. Marshall Plumley. Marshall Plumley. Fredo, Fredo Plumley. Go with Fredo. Malcolm, Malcolm X Plumley. <laughs> whichever Plumley he is, being late for his first game because he had to book in from White Plains. Right. And then foolishly took a cab from Grand Central to MSG. And I'm reading this and I'm thinking, come on, buddy. It's a 10 minute train ride tops. Don't take a cab. Come on, don't be that guy. Yeah, don't be it's that guy, um, M. Plumley. Yeah. Two subways, like, all you got to do is take the 7 or the shuttle across town and then get on the, you know, the ACE or 123 or walk. Like, walk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just inexperience. You know, that's why he's in, that's why they sent him to the D League and he's not in the NBA every game. It's a rookie mistake in in more than one sense of the word. And then watching him at one point when they got rebound, just book down the court as fast as I've ever seen it. Well, actually, I've seen a human being run faster than he did, but I've never seen a human being in a basketball game try that hard to run as fast as he did. It was really impressive. I think <laughs> our, our dear friend Jason Concepcion said it looked like he saw someone was stealing his car a few blocks away. <laughs> I think he might get some minutes tonight because uh, it doesn't look like Noah's going to play and Lance Thomas is out as well. So you uh-huh. would imagine that... Uh, It'll be O'Quinn, Hernan Gomez, and Plumley as the the backup big guys. Billy's looking good. I like Billy. He I'm looked he looked Billy. real nice last game. It, yeah, he's, he, I, I, we were talking about this. How concerned we were about his defense. Yeah. Um, and it's still not what you would call good, but it's not as bad. He's gotten better. No, I, he outplayed after that great first stretch that O'Quinn had in the the first quarter. Hernan Gomez, I thought, was clearly better the rest of the game and. That was reflected in the fact that he played, I think, 30 minutes and O'Quinn played, like, yeah. 16 or something like that. Um, 29 and 18, but, yeah, it's somewhere around that kind of a split. But, again, I, it, with this roster, I, I don't think, no matter how much familiarity they get with themselves and each other and learning each other's tendencies and not having these mental errors and, and, and picking up things on defense, it, they're just not built to be a good defensive team as currently constructed. I think they can improve. Um, but honestly, I, I'm okay if they craft a really, really good offense and give more minutes to Hernan Gomez, who can both finish with either hand and a good passer and has a good sense of where to be in space and sort of an instinctive feel for, for what's going on on the court. And, and I would rather give minutes to him than, say, possibly a better defensive player in Kylo Quinn, um, just because accentuate their strengths and, and, and give up any marginal losses in what their weak spots are would be my thinking when I, when I get hired as head coach <laughs> it's, it's interesting because there are some guys that you can see obviously being part of a good defense it's Courtney Lee and Chris Dabbs even Carmelo you could see being part of a good defense if he puts in the effort all the time uh, Joe Kim Noah when he's not limited in his mobility um, Lance Thomas but when he's not limited in his ability to walk. Right, but their uh, their point of attack defense is just going to be bad throughout the year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, look, you had Wally Zerbiak during the game talking about how the Knicks have solved the point guard position uh, during that game against the Hawks because I don't know why. Yeah, he kept talking about how, how Derrick Rose locked him up. I was like, I just want to be like, 
Wally, buddy, come on. Yeah, look, it's it's great that those guys are attacking the basket, and I think it's worked offensively like we thought it would. You know, there are easier looks for guys like Chris Stapps and Carmelo, and even though Rose and Jennings have not been efficient themselves, the fact that they've been willing to put pressure on the defense has has helped everybody else offensively, I think. That's plain to see. But well, yeah, I mean, they, are the, and- they are the biggest problems on defense, and that is... Oh a position that has been the biggest problem on defense for the Knicks for years, like you said earlier. And I don't think you can say that they've solved the position until they nah. find someone that can defend it. Now, nah, I, I enjoy Brandon Jennings a lot. Um, I, I, I enjoy his, his jump shot that looks like he's dodging imaginary snapping turtles at his feet. Uh, but before um, you continue, tell me if you, if you, uh, if you feel this. Um, I said during a game the other day, Brandon Jennings' jump shot is the same form as Richard Lewis, but lefty. Yeah, I, I, I'm good with that. I think Richard is a little smoother. Oh. It's, it, the, the, the thing is, it's like, rather than bringing it up and propelling it forward with your wrist, they bring the ball backward yeah. and then flick it forward. Yeah, it, it, it feels like they're heaving it. Brendan doesn't shoot as much as he sort of heaves it as far as he can. Right, and all lefties have strange form typically because most people are right-handed and they don't know how to teach lefties to shoot. Like that's why I'm left-handed, but I shoot a basketball righty because my father couldn't teach me to shoot lefty. <laughs> but in any case, yeah, I, I, it is fun having two guards who can break down an opponent off the dribble. Also, for the first time in a really long time since. Since, you know, Marbury was around pretty much. I wouldn't be surprised to see them play together a bunch tonight because the Lillard-McCollum backcourt gives you the opportunity to do that, at least on offense. Um, They would struggle, I would imagine, very badly defending on the other end, but it'll be interesting to see if they go to that. They have done it a few times over the last few games. It's it's something Hornacek used a lot while he was in in Phoenix, and, and they are using that two-point guard back combo a lot. I like that he's throwing in shocker, but uh, I like the fact that he's going to be trying to get uh, Chris Epps more minutes at the five. Having Noah out gives him an easy way to do it. Um, but, uh, you know, I, for the most part, I don't have a problem with the things Ronacek has done. Um, it's, it's, you know, he, he's fine. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, the the uh, two of like those him. guys playing with Holiday is something that yeah. has worked pretty well. Um, yeah. and, and Holiday, if you look, is all over the Knicks' best lineup combinations. Um, I don't know what... Yeah, he's a potential 3 and D wing. That's, right. that's nifty. And, and look, he's only shooting well from three. Step inside the arc, can't make a basket. But <laughs> yeah, I think it's something like that. I think it's at 37% from three and 34 from the field overall or something like that. I don't know if it's that wide of a split. But that but might, I, mean, I may be actually just switching up the numbers for Brandon Jennings, but it is, he is shooting better. Or no, it's like 40% from three and 38 or something overall. If he, yeah, he can't hit for his life in football. Yeah, he's at 42% from three and 41% overall. So That's what I said. Just, just edit out that I used the wrong numbers. Just right. bring all that up for me too. Yeah, so on, on two-point shots, he has not been very good. If you look at it, it's it's almost all like mid-range jumpers that he's not shooting well um, and at the basket he can't really finish either but 
knocking him down from three, which is nice. And, uh, so what do you think is going to happen tonight? You're predicting a win? I think go. it's going to be a high-scoring game, and um, it'll sort of depend on whether they can really get Kristaps going or whether it has to be one of those nights where uh, Carmelo tries to carry them against uh, a bunch of guys that are throwing him different looks. Because uh, I don't think that they're necessarily, again, like I said, I don't think they're equipped um, to guard this Blazers team very well. So they're going to have to outscore them a bit. That's fair. Yeah. I would agree with that as well. That seems like the way it's going to go. Um, that'll do it for us. Bob, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Do you have anything you want to promote before I let you go? Uh, I'll have a, I have a, a couple of big stories coming out, uh, hopefully soon, and you can read about it at um, rocketive.com backslash false start. That's where all the articles will be from now on from me if you feel the need to get a daily dose of my fine content. Awesome. Definitely recommend checking that out. Um, like I said earlier in the pod, I'll be back Friday with another podcast taking the next two days off while I'm at my parents' house. Um, talk to you then. Enjoy. Say hi, say hi to your dad for me. <laughs> I will. I will.